and open to the book of Acts. See if I can do this. Okay. We're in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. How many can tell me about the book of Acts so far? What have you learned? Some things. Recap. You say you recap in every service. Yes. Because we tend to forget. Somebody tell me something about what we've learned so far in the book of Acts. We'll be finishing chapter 9 today. It's an open book test if you like. Yes. The day of Pentecost happened in the book of Acts. Day of Pentecost, I believe that was the second chapter. Yes, sir. The ascension. The ascension. Jesus went, and remember he said, many infallible proofs. He's proving. I saw another hand back here. Somebody else. I saw a hand back there. I know he did. Yes, Debbie. The disciples witnessed. Yes, Well, there was, they had the, uh, the, uh, in the upper room, they were all speaking in tongues. They all heard in their own tongue. That was a miracle. Amen. Amen. And the Bible does tell us, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that Spirit is not some other Spirit, but the Spirit of God. Somebody else, tell me something. Tell me something. Oh, hang on. The lame man. Yes, it's one of my favorite stories. We've got to talk about the lame man in just a minute. I'll come right back to you. The lame man. And the Bible says that he was asking alms of Peter and John. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but as much as I have I give unto thee. And he took down and he reached down, gave him the right hand of fellowship, basically. And the Bible says he received strength in his ankles and leaping up. And then he went around. He went around with Peter and John, praising God and worshiping with them. You had something. Uh, the church was burst back in, in the book of uh, John, chapter 18. Uh, the disciples. He gave, he gave the, the great commission to the church, which was the disciples at that time. And he says, upon this rock I will build my church. Some espouse that it happened in the book of Acts. We hold to that it happened in the book of Matthew. Somebody else? Somebody else? Yes, ma'am? Yes, he was. He was answering back anybody for extra credit. Who was, who was Stephen talking to? Who was Stephen talking to? It was a group of people. When you go out to the beach, what do you walk on? Sand? The Sanhedrin. Talk to the Sanhedrin. All right. All right. Somebody else, that's good. Yes, and he was answering. They had three accusations against him, and he answered them all. And remember, he told them, he told them, he said, you killed saviors. You're good at killing saviors, basically. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you killed the savior, uh, Joseph. You killed the savior, Moses, your savior, Moses. And you killed the king of kings, the Messiah, your savior. 
Somebody else? Yes, Peter. The what? The conversion of Paul. Extra credit. You know what chapter? Colts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. That's where he was on the road to Damascus and that bright light shone down around him. This is good. This is good. Somebody else. Yes, Debbie. Yeah, the set of consolation. Amen. And we need a church full of encouragers, don't we? Amen, we do. Somebody else. Somebody else. Let me cheat back here in my notes and see if we're missing. Somebody preached a message and 3,000 souls were added on one day. Who was that? Who was, who was it? Peter. Peter. Yep, that was. Peter, okay. Amen, amen. Somebody else? They came on the scene, I think, in chapter 5. Is that chapter 5? And uh, they sold a piece of land. There had been another member of the church that sold land and gave it to the church. Here you go. Here you go. See, they had all things in common. I mean, they were giving people. And you know what? That's, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> we kind of joke about it sometimes, especially as Baptists, that if we can just get, you know, that, that person, the entire person saved, including their wallet. <laughs> Not that we're always talking about money, but God causes you to be a giver. He causes you to want to give. And Ananias saw that thing, and I think that it probably had a good thing initially to do in their heart. But somewhere along the line, they got a little bit more than what they thought, and uh, they lied unto the Holy Spirit. And that was the first, that was actually the first church discipline where the Holy Spirit killed them both. It's keeping the church pure. Keeping the church pure. And you know, that's a great lesson for us. We need to know and understand that God intends for the church to be pure. And dare we not be that individual that's going to cause dissension or a problem in a church. We should not do that. That's a great lesson for us to learn. Some of us older members, especially. I'm talking to myself. Um, anybody else have anything? Pardon me? We had the deacons. How many men did they pick out? Seven men. What was the first thing he said? They had to be, I believe it was honest, of good report, of good report. That was, and it's interesting when you start watching and you see that some of the first ones taking the initiative and taking the gospel and standing proclaiming for Jesus were not the apostles. But you have Stephen and you have Philip. Philip went where? Where did Philip go? Samaria. Right? And... He preached Jesus unto them, and in Acts chapter 8, it says, there was great joy in that city. And that's a result of meeting Jesus. There's great joy. And then later on in that same chapter, Philip again was preaching. The Holy Spirit said, go join yourself to that chariot. And that chariot housed uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, uh, 
The Bible says that he preached unto him Jesus. He asked him a question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless somebody explain it to me? And that's where he says, and he's preached unto him Jesus. You know what? We can be a Philip of sorts if we'll be listening to the Holy Spirit. We look at the opportunity, try to say, God, I'm available for whatever opportunity. I want to be a witness and testimony to you. And Ricky, he may say to you and speak to your heart, hey, go talk to him. And you walk up to somebody and you, you start to talk to them and you know them. And they, they begin to open up. Yeah, I just don't know what's going on. And it's at that point in time you can preach unto them Jesus. And God can do a great healing in their life. Anyway, so that's good. That's good. Let's go back now. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> it's so important that we rehearse these things. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Romans 16, 4. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 and following. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. We're going to be talking about uh, Tabitha, Dorcas. We're going to talk about the miracle of restoration and the miracle of the resurrection tonight. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 says this. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lida. And there he found a certain man uh, named Aeneas, 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 which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Sick of the palsy. That's uh, kind of like paralysis and you have tremors. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. That's a great preaching verse right there. He's made us whole, uh, McKee Road Baptist Church. If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, he has made you whole. And then you read down there, and he goes, make your bed. In other words, get up. Get at it. You can go back to bed tonight. But for now, that bed's not going to be put to use. We need to be busy, McKee Road. And as the Bible says, and he arose immediately, verse 35, and all that dwelt at Leda and Saren saw him, and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Leda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come <clears throat> to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, Arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one 
Simon Tanner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray at this time that you would bless the reading of your word, the teaching, preaching of it. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit speak to us through your word. Teach us, dear God. May our hearts be open and pliable, ready to be filled with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 32 says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Leda. The focus now swinging back to Peter. We've been talking about Paul. And the door of the church was about to be opened to Gentiles, formerly to Gentiles. Think of it. There have been so many thousands saved at this time. So many thousands have already been saved. There must have been some sizable congregations. Some sizable congregation. There are those that say, I just don't know about a big church. You know what? This was a big church. This was a big church, folk, And God was using it mightily. But the church was still Jewish in character. Now the Samaritans are kind of semi-Jewish. Uh, Peter's ministry must have been very much in demand at that time. Everybody, think of it, would want to hear from him. This man that had spent three and a half years. You know, we have some of our favorite preachers. Dave McCracken is a favorite around here. And people go, oh, let me know when Brother McCracken's going to be here because I want to come to and hear that message. And that's great, and that's good. And oh, to have that ability. Praise God. But let me tell you something. God meets here every Sunday. The Bible says where two or three gather together in my name, there am I in their midst. So we should want to be here every Sunday. Because it's not just about being entertained or enjoying the speaking ability of someone. But it's meeting with God. So now we see Peter begin to move out. And his first move was Lita on the road to Joppa. It's likely, it's likely that Saul, that old troublemaker, you know what? He's interesting. He was, he, he was, it was his personality to stir it was his personality to provoke to love and to good works after he became a child of God. But certainly that provoking part he had down when he was not a Christian. And it's likely he may have passed through this way on the way to the coast, which may have prompted Peter's move. I don't know. I don't know. You know, think about it. As I was studying through this, I was thinking about some of these things. And, and I think a lot of times, and you talk about loving, uh, provoking to love and to good works, Sometimes we see the actions of another child of God, which does allow us to maybe spend some time and let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart. Well, God, what would you have me do? Because you see God working through them. And that may have been what happened. Saul might have asked some questions about why the apostles were all concentrating in Jerusalem when there had been a great commission given, going to all the world. You know, McKeever Baptist Church, we can ask ourselves that same question. What am I doing sitting here? I need to get up. I need to make my bed, and I need to get out there, and I need to do something. The church of Lydda, Lydda may have been founded by some of the Christian disciples that were fleeing the Apostle Paul. They may have come up there. This reminded me of the Charles Dickens book, A Tale of Two Cities. When we were... Uh, in a church years ago, we were, had a Christian school there, and Alice was teaching a class, and I taught a little bit. And she issued some reading, you know. And one of the books she issued to read, 
uh, said, you guys are going to have to read this. I think they were 11th grade at that time. was Charles Dickens' book of Tale of Two Cities. How many have re ever read that? A Tale of Two Cities. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> it starts off. You got to know my son, Matthew. He is a silly boy. He's a funny boy. It starts off. He goes, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. He slammed the book shut. He goes, well, why do I want to read this book? He doesn't even know what's going on. But in many ways, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times for the apostle Saul. Can you imagine the emotions of Saul? He was eager to inquire about the various groups that had been scattered, the believers. He was eager, eager to learn how God had made even the wrath of a man to praise him. At the same time, he was sorrowful because he had been that cause and that instrument of wrath. Oh my goodness, God does forgive. But I tell you, better to never do the sin so we don't have to be forgiven. Of course, this happened before Paul was saved, and God forgave him for that. Verse 33 says, well, before I get that, so Peter came down also, the Bible says, to the saints which dwelt at Leda. Now, it's worth noting in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, saints are given different names, but it's universal. Saints, brethren, disciples, believers, they're saints. They're brother and sister in Christ. Disciple, brethren, okay? Verse 33, and there, there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Last, like I had mentioned, it's probably paralysis and tremors and tremors. Eight years. Eight years. That's a long time to be in bed. Eight years. That's a long time to be in bed. My mother had uh, spent nine months in bed before she passed. And she be developed bed sores. You know, it's, you have to be nurses and doctors really have to be very careful. You need to turn those patients and keep them from developing those bed sores, but eight years, can you imagine, eight years, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that's no end in sight, no end in sight. Doctors, I'm sure, had long since given up on trying to come up with a cure for this individual. Can you imagine the frustration? You see the frustration of the doctor, but then you come back, the frustration of the patient. I have no hope. It was hopeless to him. Not only is there pain and suffering, but there's a sense of uselessness. A sense of being a constant burden to others. Why does God allow that? He's teaching. He's using you. He's teaching you. I've not had to go through where I have been in a bed for a long period of time and had to have been waited on hand and foot but sometimes God allows us to be in those situations. It may be a time of humbling in our lives. It may be a time where God is just trying to say, stay faithful and strong and trust me so that others can watch you and see the hope. I don't know. But certainly this Aeneas, pain and suffering, useless, constant burden. And then that question, why me? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? 
Why did I get this disease? Why me? Not to mention, how am I going to support myself? Can't go to work. Loss of income. There's poverty, hardship, and strain. A debilitating illness. I don't know that any of us are in that case right now tonight. There are some within this body that are struggling. But there have been a lot in the life for Aeneas of Lida. Uh, I think sometimes we just need to go back to places like this in the book of God and count our blessings. Understand that we do not have it so bad. Truly, Aeneas was a needy person. A needy person. By God's design, by the way. Verse 34 says, And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. He arose immediately. When God would do a healing, the response was immediate. Oh, that we as children of God would understand that the healing we received at the point of salvation was the ultimate healing. That and the healing that when you go to heaven, that's the ultimate healing. But the healing, and we should get up immediately and respond. Peter had the gift of healing. It was a validating gift of the first century church. And he instantly healed this man in the name of Jesus. And that's how it was with the gift of healing. What did you do? You'd find the most difficult case. Seek him out. And then heal him instantly. Beyond shadow of all shadow of a doubt. You heal him permanently. What was there not? There was no mass meeting. There was no hysteria. Uh, there was no healing of a fake illness as though it were a real thing. What are you talking about? I'm talking about what you'll see on television. There was no stage manif effects, uh, no offerings, uh, just a simple exercise and a rare, of a rare and temporary but awesome, convincing spiritual gift. And Peter was using that. Verse 35 says, And all that dwelt at Leda and Saren saw him and turned to the Lord. Up and down the plains of Sharon the news flashed. Today we call it breaking news. You see, you might be watching the news and say, Oop! The noise will come on, the music will come on, it might kind of blink. We got breaking news. We got breaking news. And I'll tell you what, you can't imagine the people going, Did you hear? Did you hear what happened? You know Oaneus? You're, you know, he's, been at, he's no longer in that bed. He no longer has paralysis. He can move. He doesn't shake. People came to see this miracle. And what happened? They went away saved. See, that was the purpose of the miracle. That was the purpose of the miracle. We're like that today. If we were back at that time, we would want to go see the miracle. But the purpose of the miracle was to bring people to Jesus. The healing of the sick man was not an end of itself, but a means to another end. The salvation of many. Salvation of many. Had, it, had healing been intended to be an end in itself, what would Peter have done? He would have gone throughout the town. Need anybody healed? Need anybody healed? He would have healed them all. But that was not the purpose. 
Healing, healing was selective, and it served a far wider purpose. The primary purpose of healing was to open the door for the gospel, to lead the salvation of souls, and to spread abroad the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is, excuse me, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, or acts of charity, which she did. I'm told that about 10 miles northwest of Lida was a seaport, Joppa. And by the way, there was a local church there as well. One of its members had achieved a reputation of being full of good works. Full of good works. You know, as uh, Christians, a lot of times we are suspect of people of full, full of, that are full of good works. They're always, I wonder what their motivation is. I'm told that the name Tabitha in Hebrew, Dorcas in the Greek, meant gazelle. A gazelle. A gazelle is a graceful creature. <clears throat> and certainly, Dorcas, Tabitha here, was a graceful, loving creature. Child of God. Child of God. But good works, sometimes we go, oh. And you know, this old thing about the pendulum. The pendulum should be right here in the middle and... Sometimes we kind of swing it over here and somebody says this and then somebody goes, no, it's not like that. And then it swings way back over here, but it's over here in the middle. It should be in the middle. Good works, folks. Good works, we know this. Good works do not earn salvation. They do not earn salvation. But one thing they do work, they do evidence is salvation. They do evidence salvation. A truly saved person ought to have compassion for the sick. We ought to have compassion for the poor, the oppressed, the weak. Dorcas did, in her compassion, took on a practical character. Her zeal in doing what she could do to alleviate suffering is noted by the Holy Spirit. Do we take the opportunity to do what we can to help one another? Verse 37. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. <clears throat> Whom, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. You know, the Jews had great respect for the dead. The remains were always treated with dignity and buried with solemn regard. Jacob made his own funeral arrangements before his death and wished to be buried in Canaan. He made his own funeral arrangements. <clears throat> Joseph observed that. Similarly, Joseph, when he died, wished to be, have his bones be carried to the sepulcher in Canaan. And who was it that did it? Moses. Years later. Moses. A deep tradition. Deep tradition. So Dorcas died. And her body was tenderly washed and laid out in an upper chamber, pending that burial. Verse 38. And for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent him unto, uh, sent, him, sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. <clears throat> Why did they send for Peter? It'd be natural, no doubt, to want the ministry of such a prominent individual to come, be at the funeral. 
Surely Peter would have some words of consolation and hope for those that were missing their loved one at this time. Perhaps Dorcas had uh, hoped that she might see Peter, this great ambassador for Christ, when he heard that, hey, did you hear that Peter's in Lida? Peter's in Lida? Maybe, maybe she had wanted to hear him, and they knew that. Perhaps when she realized how sick she was and how pronounced her case was, that it was beyond hope, that she asked that he would come and speak. And so Peter's presence was to be urged in the most vital way. They sent two. They sent two. And Peter's presence was urgently requested. Verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Let's make note that this dear woman just kept working to the very end. Kept working to the very end. She did what she could. Remember this morning I said, you are not insignificant. God's got something for you. God's got something for you. He does. And he had something for her and she used and did what she could. <clears throat> These people had obviously been recipients of the good graciousness of Dorcas, Tabitha. In your mind's eye, you can see them showing Peter the fruit of her labors, pointing out the quality of the material, the coats she had made. Look how well she sewed this together. The death of Dorcas was de deeply felt by all. You know how it is. When one of us in our midst passes that love the Lord, how deeply they're missed. Very possibly, Peter could have been moved by this grief that was all around him, the sobs of the saints, and then the abundant evidence of the goodness of the departed Dorcas. Verse 41, 40 and 41. <clears throat> but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. You know, at this point in time, I'm thinking, I'm getting, you gotta, you gotta put yourself in the midst of these people when these stories are going on. If you want to live this, put yourself there. The old saying is, if I could just be a fly on the wall. Oh, if I could have been a fly on the wall for that meeting between those two. If I could have just heard what the Lord said to him at this point in time. Or Apostle Paul saying to the Apostle Peter, if I could just be there. And I put myself here. But Peter put them all forth. Put yourself there. You're in the room now. Just you, Peter, and dead Tabitha. And kneeled down. He kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Oh, oh wow. Oh wow. Peter's actions, he modeled them after the master. Remember the raising of Jairus' daughter, Jairus' daughter? On that occasion, Jesus put all the mourners out of the room. 
and took the child by the hand and said, Dabbath Kumni, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Peter had the room completely cleared. Can you see him on his knees? Can you see him on his knees as he prayed? And then probably just turning on his knees. And he looked at her and he said, Tabitha, arise. That would have been something to be at. Oh my. That would have been something to be at. But let me say something to this. God does miracles every day that we don't recognize. He does things in our lives that we do not take notice of. We don't understand. We can't see all the protection he's got going on for us and around us. We know that there's a warfare going on out here. We don't see it. We don't see it. But wow, it had been a fly on the wall at that time. Wow, Dorcas looked at Peter, extended his hand. Can you imagine the emotions of Peter as he realizes that God has done a miracle and used him, performed a miracle. God did the miracle. To be used by God, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than to be used by God and to recognize that God has used you. Oh my, oh my, what an evidence of salvation. Now do keep in mind, he did use a mule. <laughs> okay? Sometimes we're mule-headed. But to be used by God. There was a spiritual awakening in Joppa. Verse 42 it says. And this was known throughout all Joppa. What happened? And many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa. With one Simon. A tanner. Again we see the selective. And the spiritual nature of miracles. In the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. Little seaport in Joppa. Famous since the days of who? Jonah. Very good. Jonah. And they were rocked with this news. Everybody knew about it. Everybody knew about it. And what was the result? One was healed. One was raised from the dead. Many were saved. Many were saved. Can you imagine Dorcas? Resuming back to life. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm doing what I can. Makiro Baptist Church members, are you doing what you can tonight? Are you doing what you can? God didn't call us all to do the same thing. He didn't make us all the same. Else we'd be very uh, bored, boring. I'm boring, you know? Be very bored. And then Peter goes on and he found lodgings in Joppa. Lodging in Joppa. <clears throat> the, the needs of the believers in town and the continual streams of converts, I'm certain, gave him plenty to do. Amen? When God is working, when the children of God are in tune with his Holy Spirit and there's harmony within the church, guess what? Things are going to be happening. McKeever Baptist Church, I believe with all my heart, things are happening. Here in the church. We had nine baptized last Sunday. We had four baptized this Sunday. I was thrilled to death to have uh, Brother Lynn come in this morning excitedly nervous. 
He said, I'm so nervous. I said, did you come to get baptized? I did. I brought my change of clothes. He was excited. Wasn't it exciting to see him get baptized? Amen. Amen, it was. Things are happening. God's spirit is at work. It happens when the church is in unity. It's in unity. That's when it happens. That's when it happens. Now we see Peter going on. And it's interesting to note just as a side here. That he goes and he spends, uh, he's getting lodging with this tanner. What's a tanner? What was a tanner? They dealt with dead bodies. And that was not the thing of Jews to touch a dead body. You see that God is, if you're watching closely, you see, here's a good Baptist word, Peter evolving in his relationship with the Lord. He's growing in the Lord. So the things that used to be, controlled by the law, we're now not under the law. And so those things are falling away. I don't know about you, but tonight I'm praying for a spiritual awakening in Bakersfield, like there was a spiritual awakening in Joppa. They knew things were happening, things were going on. I'm praying for a spiritual awakening in McKeever Baptist Church tonight. And yes, I'm praying even for a spiritual awakening within myself. How about you? How about you? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. A spiritual awakening. That's what we desire to see. You know what? I woke up this day, this morning, another day older. That's the amazing thing. My father-in-law has told me several times, the sun do move. That old Tennessean used to say, the sun do move. We all get older. I don't get younger each day. What I'm doing for Christ, I need to do today. And if he gives me tomorrow, I need to do it tomorrow. But we need a spiritual awakening in Bakersfield. Guess where it starts? It starts within the heart of the Christian. The Christian that says, God, enough of this for myself. I'm for you. Use me, God. Use me. I pray that for McKeever Baptist Church. I pray that for myself. Are you praying that for you? Father, I ask that you'd have your will and way in just these few moments of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're able, you may 